the November Cabinet meeting. Um, we have a number of um, speakers uh, this evening and, and, and we will take that first. And what I will do, because uh, they are all around the same subject, um, which is item... Item 13. Um, I'll take item 13 after the official business of minutes, etc. Um, so you don't have to wait for the whole meeting. You're very welcome to stay, of course, but uh, you may not wish to. Okay, so um, the first uh, speaker that I have uh, on my list is Helen Payne. Hello, good evening. Evening. Okay, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak this evening. I'd like to talk to you about the community asset um, application for Chalky Meadow in Thaxted. My name is Helen Payne and I'm a local resident of Thaxted. I would like to address, if possible, the individual objections that Essex County Council have raised um, and I would also like to present to the Cabinet our petition for local people signing support of this application. Much of our commitment to Chalky Meadows is based on the now much researched understanding that a connection to nature and wild spaces can hugely benefit individuals and the community. I could list a lot of papers and research, but instead I am urging the Cabinet to look through a green paper from the Wildlife Trusts and RSPBB, a Nature and Wellbeing Act, of which I have supplied you with a copy, and I have a spare one here. It credibly and succinctly puts forward the idea that we need to protect and look after nature to protect and look after ourselves. It argues, and I quote, to improve our economy, our communities, our health and our well-being, we need greater commitment to nature's recovery and fundamental changes in how we value, use and interact with our natural world. End quote. Regarding the objections raised by Essex County Council, their first point um, I do not see it as relevant to the application as to how the land was acquired. Council has stated that it acquired it from uh, Dunmo Rural Council 25 years ago. Their second point, the objection states that because there has been no services on the land and that it, not that it has not impacted on the social well-being of our community, it is the very fact that there has not been any services on this land and that it has been left to its own devices that we believe it has had a positive impact on our community and our social well-being. Point three. Chalky Meadow was originally earmarked for a school and it has been for over 25 years. Nothing has ever happened. The current school in Thaxted continues to be invested in and as far as we can tell there are no actual plans for the school to be built on the site. Point four, the objection raised is that we don't have permission or access on the site. We do have permission to this site and I have a photo of an Essex County Council sign at the entrance of that site showing us. Um, this space has been used extensively over the years by walkers, runners and other countryside users and up until very recently before the newest housing development it provided a pathway through to the town. Point five. Essex claims this meadow does not do anything to further the social well-being or social interest of the local community. This, for us, is at the nub of the argument. I refer back to my earlier comments regarding the connection between nature and well-being. However, we feel that our photo shoots, our petition, our letters of support actively demonstrate community engagement and commitment. So yes, we do care enormously about the wildlife on the site, but we also care about the quality of our environment and the impact that this has on us. Point six. That propels your three minutes, but I'll let you 
Okay, 20 seconds left. Point six, we hope the Cabinet are able to see with our supporting evidence, and I really, that's my biggest fear that our evidence isn't looked at, that we do meet the criteria of being an asset of community value. And just to let people know regarding points seven and eight, the Parish Council did not commission or carry out the biological survey that was completed by us, local residents, um, and nor do we see this as the main purpose of land. For us, the main use of land would be for the community to work in partnership with our councils, Essex Biodiversity Team and Essex Wildlife Trust to develop the land to become its full potential as a wildlife haven that is accessible and part of our community for generations to come. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed and thank you also for your petition which although you are not physically handing it over we, we, we acknowledge and, uh, and we will obviously um, read that with, with care and interest so thank you very much indeed. Um, the next speaker is Tom Marsh, Asset of Community Value, the George Public House, Little Hallingbury. Can I just add a little bit, just to give you one minute, less than one minute. Is it anything that um, Helen hasn't already said? Yes. Okay. Just to let you know that this is backed by the Parish Council and both District Councillors as well. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Mr Marsh. We move on to uh, Dina Ludford, uh, Asset to Community Value at Chalky Meadows. Hello, thank you very much. I was quite tolerant the last time. <laughs> Technically, I should, uh, it's three minutes if you can do your best. I will shave it down by 20 seconds for you. Thank you. My name is Dina Ludford. I'm the clerk and the RFO here today representing Thankstead Parish Council, who give their unanimous support that Chalky Meadows should become an asset of community value. During the open spaces, committee held in Saxted on the 21st of September, under minute item 9, it was the Council's desire to distribute many to many other authorities, including Essex County Council, um, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, the local MP, and including Uttles the District Council, the outstanding BioBlitz report that you're all in receipt of today, which led to what we contained, um, UDC, we con is now contained within UDC's draft regulation plan 18. Given the importance of this land, it was resolved also during a council meeting quite recently on the 2nd of November to allow me to, to speak on behalf of the council to support the wildlife habitat by way of supporting its position as the asset of community value. Extracts from Saxted Parish Council's Emerging Neighbourhood Plan also support this evidence in point 5.5, wildlife habitats. Saxted's unspoilt and varied landscape is rich in wildlife. The following specific sites were identified in the questionnaire responses as being important as wildlife habitats and deserved of protection. The questionnaire also revealed that 95% of the respondents thought that it was important to manage and protect the local wildlife sites. It is therefore essential that any potential development within an area of wildlife habitat value should be considered in the contents of its importance for local wildlife. We would also draw your attention to the emerging plan, which also draws reference from policy LSC6, Wildlife Habitats. In terms of council support, we have today um, Councillor Rolfe, um, Councillor um, Foley and um, Councillor John Freeman have also given their support. And I have an extract here from Councillor John Freeman, who writes in support of the application of Chalky Meadows to become an asset of community value. And he mentions within the letter that over the last 25 years, I've seen it gradually transform from agricultural land to its present status. 
In actual fact, it's home to one of the largest colonies and common lizards in the country. Councillor Freeman recently attended a meeting in Thaxted where the guests were given the talk about the recent bioblitz, and I and many others were not surprised at the total number of species identified on the site. This has been clearly used by many residents over the last 25 years for dog walkers and general recreation. Councillor Freeman references a diverse habitat being established with a sighting of wild range of wildlife and areas of wildflower increases. And it's Councillor Freeman's view that this site is a diverse habitat, much to be protected for future generations and residents and visitors alike for Thaxted for years to come. Thank you. Do you just want to be known as a Strutton Parker representative or would you like to be known by your name? Okay, thanks very much indeed. Uh, sorry, I, 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 and the same will apply to yourself. Uh, can you all three of you let um, Rebecca have copies of your words? Okay, great, thanks. Is that better? So, um, thank you for the opportunity to, to speak tonight. I'm here on behalf of the freehold owner of Quendon Hall and Quendon Wood, um, who is Pegasi Management Company Limited. Um, I'm just here to reaffirm the client's objection to the nomination of assets of community value. Um, to look upon Quendon Hall, first of all, it is a privately owned property with Parkland, which is let under a commercial arrangement for private events, namely weddings. Um, it is not accessible by the public or the local community. Um, there is no public access through the property either. It is purely for private rights relating to Quendon Hall itself. Um, just having reviewed the amended plan by the Parish Council, it also nominates two residential properties which, of course, cannot be um, classified for assets community value. So on that basis, um, we believe it doesn't comply, and we would ask you to think the same as well. Um, in relation to Quendon Woods, again, this is a privately owned woodland which is managed with strict criteria um, in relation to its characteristics, but it is not used by the local community and never has been um, with regards to social or wellbeing interests. Again, there is no public access through the centre, um, either via uh, prescriptive or even registered uh, public rights of way. The access around the perimeter is purely ancillary purposes um, to that it is purely a private woodland only. So again, we would just like to reaffirm the fact that we're objecting to the uh, nomination for asset community value for this part as well. So thank you. Thank you very much. So we will go back uh, to item one, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Councillor Barker. 
If I could declare an interest as Essex County Councillor Chairman. Thank you. Nothing else. Uh, item 2, the minutes of the last meeting, are they a true record? Thank you. They will be duly signed. Councillor Dean. Uh, item, I think it must be CA 40. It's the Governance Audit and Performance Committee on page 1. It's CA 49, yes. It happens to be covered up by my note. Um, <clears throat> Ladies, could you also stay? You're very welcome to stay because there is going to... There is going to be a debate on that item, and I'm taking it next. No, 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 you're welcome to stay. It's a public meeting. You're welcome to stay. Um, as I say, uh, we're just doing the formalities of the minutes, and then we'll get on to it very quickly. Right. The, as I reported la at the last meeting, the scrutiny committee um, endorsed the Cabinet's previous decision uh, which had been subject to calling. This was the sale of land at Davidia Avenue, Saffron Walden. However, the minute is silent on the fact that the committee also supported the idea that when the council considered um, use of the uh, capital receipts, assuming the sale goes through, that it should um, take into account uh, infrastructure enhancements for the benefit of the community. That, the minute is silent on that, so I'd just like that something to that effect added because it was a, it was a request. Obviously, the committee didn't go into detail, and that's uh, something for later. Um, the, I, I think I should also say that uh, you, you, you have, Chairman, had a um, copy of correspondence. I received a, a letter after the meeting from Saffron Walden Town Council, a long letter uh, asking what they should do next to pursue their aims. I t told them that that really wasn't a matter for scrutiny at this time and that they should take it up with the Cabinet, including yourself. That was my reply, and you were copied in on that correspondence. Thank you. Thank you. Any other points of note Sorry, as Chair. opposed to matters arising? Could I just clarify exactly um, what the wording would be for any amendment, if agreed, for the suggested wording that Councillor Dean was asking for um, regarding endorsing the Cabinet's previous decision regarding the sale of land at Davidia Avenue? Was there some wording that you all agreed should be included as an amendment, or is that...? It will be something uh, along the lines, yes. and we can uh, um, yes. agree this. Uh, uh, however, uh, the Scrutiny Committee... Um, um, requested that um, is it some of the receipts Councillor Dean? Yes it was that uh, when considering uh, the use of the capital receipts that uh, at least some of it was considered for community and infrastructure enhancements in the somewhere in the area without being specific Is that okay Rebecca? Um, yes, thank you it, 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 was, it, it yes. was stated at the meeting, I can remember it quite well, and thank obviously it's a, it's a view of the scrutiny committee. Okay, good. Uh, if there's... Mr Webb. I was just going to say, Chairman, that probably the easiest thing is to refer back to the minutes of the scrutiny meeting outside of this meeting. Excellent idea. Thank you very much. We'll do that. Um, if there's uh, nothing else, then I shall move you on to item uh, three, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council. We've already had some of those. Um, 
Nothing else. Item 4, matters referred to the Executive. There aren't any. Reports from Overview and Scrutiny Committee. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I will, if, if I may, leave any points regarding the budget until you come to that item because the budget did feature in the, in the, on the agenda of the last meeting, but I've, I've got one or two other things that I'd like to bring to your attention. The, the Scrutiny Committee is um, arranging early next year for um, a training session from the Centre for Public Scrutiny and there will now be interviews sometime in February with members of the committee. And I want to take the opportunity to say that, in my view, the, um, the purpose of scrutiny is not adequately understood at Huddlesford and that its resources and the way that it works, I, I believe, needs to be overhauled um, if it is to work as well as some other authorities perform. So I think that's something that we'll be looking at in, in the new year with the CFPS, the Centre for Public Scrutiny. We, um, we, had, um, we looked at our work programme and one of the things that we will be addressing, I hope, early in 2018 is, is the question of affordable stroke um, social housing. Um, there have been, been a number of initiatives recently, some of which were government initiatives. Um, I don't think it's adequately understood what the, the housing needs are and what the benefits would be of having more housing in the social capacity as opposed to the so-called affordable capacity, which, um, which only delivers something like a 20% um, reduction on market rent. So that's a subject that we'll be paying attention to fairly soon next year. Now, I, I'd also, I also <clears throat> bear with me a second. Um, oh, and, and on that point, Chairman, the, the Assistant Director of Resources has already produced a, for the committee a document on housing abilities and limitations, in other words, what the restraints are on the council for investing in its own housing, in social housing, council housing. That's been sent to the committee already, so there is, um, if you will, a bit of background information already gathered, but we'll be looking into it in more detail in the first quarter of next year, and I think it's very relevant to the local plan <coughs> process, which will be mentioned later in the meeting. I've got one other thing that I want to bring to your attention. I, it came up at the previous meeting, and I mentioned it here last time, um, and that's to make reference to the Council's grant of, of half a million pounds for a running track at Carver Barracks, because since that decision was made, we've discovered that the Council does not have a credible sports strategy and that it may take most of 2018 to create such a strategy that could adequately support the emerging local plan and the Council's negotiations with 
garden village developers and others. A week ago, I was invited to meet three local people who were involved with the district council's sporting community. They included members of Saffron Walden Organization for Sport and the Saffron Walden Striders. One of the people I met had been encouraged by the planning department to produce part of a sports strategy sometime I, I, last year. Is this year. a review of your meeting, Councillor Dean? It, it, it is because it follows on from, um, from previous discussions at our meeting. But it, uh, it, yeah, but it, uh, of a very different nature. It is indeed, it is indeed, but I think... So it's, it's not actually pertinent to item five? It is, because it's the Chairman of Scrutiny bringing something to you. Well, Chairman of Scrutiny could bring anything on that basis. It's supposed to be a review of your meeting. Yes, indeed. I, I, I intend to... I wish to carry on, Mr Chairman. I know that this uh, is, is extending it slightly from the discussion that we had at our last meeting, but I think it's very important. Um, one of the people I met had been encouraged by the planning department to produce part of a sports strategy. This document addresses an active lifestyle program that is said to align with the government's national program to get, the program is called Get Active to Get Healthy. Yet the, the council's administration subsequently dismissed the document as neither needed nor, nor appropriate. I was informed. I'm sorry, I'm going to come back. It, it, this, is, this is to do with the Carver. We're, we're off into sports strategies now. Is yes. this, this is to do with Carver Barracks. We've made a decision it's on Carver Barracks. It's, it's a, it, the Cabinet has made its decision. We're investing half a million pounds in Carver Barracks. We are perfectly aware of what the Sports Council wants us to do uh, in terms of a sports strategy for our three garden developments. And with all due respect, that does rather close the matter. Mr Chairman, I don't hope you aren't going to stop the Chairman of Scrutiny bringing to you information that I think is both relevant to the local plan and other matters. I'm perfectly happy to take this, this offline, uh, Councillor Dean, but this is not a report from Scrutiny. It is this a is a report from your last meeting for the, for the update of the Cabinet. It is a report from... It's not a speculation about a sports strategy and Carver Barracks. Mr. Chairman, I'm sorry, I'm you... going to close it down now. Well, in, in that case, I shall leave the meeting and I shall not attend because if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to be su suppressing information that comes from scrutiny, then I think you will... Uh, but, but this isn't information from scrutiny. This is, an inf this is a discussion you had with three members of the community. Yes, which it is, is. Which is totally different from what's come out of scrutiny committee. I'm absolutely happy to talk to you about that conversation and I'm probably aware of the three individuals you spoke to. But, but that is not pertinent to this item. It, we want to hear from Scrutiny Committee what it decided so the Cabinet and everybody else is updated on that, on that item, which is not broadcast. It is very important. It is relevant to the uh, discussion later on the local plan and the engagement with the public, and I think that it's, it should be said. Well, let's bring it up there then. Okay, but it's not, it's not technically an item on our, from item five. If you want to raise it on the local plan, I'll be tolerant at that stage. Anything else from the Scrutiny Committee? Right, item six. Is that, is that a no? I shall leave the meeting. No, don't leave the meeting. Yes, I will. I'm sorry. If, if, if you're going to suppress the I'm not suppressing. I've offered, given you the opportunity to statement. raise this point under local plan. Under 
Councillor Ranger's point on garden communities. I've given you that opportunity. All right, I, but it, I, bring but it, it, I bring it up there then. Okay. Thank you. Item six, Refugee Working Party. Thank you, Chairman. Um, just a um, hot off the press update, actually. Um, we've had confirmation that the Syrian refugee family who have been identified for the property we have available um, are now able to fly out of Iraq and their plane will be landing in the UK um, two weeks today. Um, the, the family will be accompanied to their new home and um, Uttlesford housing staff have arranged to meet them with, um, the following morning. The family consists of parents accompanied by three children, um, all boys aged 10, 16 and, sorry, two boys aged six, 16 and 10 and a daughter aged 19. Everything's been um, confirmed through Essex Interrogation Service as being in place for them on their arrival and to support them during their t time um, settling in here. So that's good news. We've finally got another family arriving um, before Christmas. That is extremely good news and uh, as with the first family that arrived obviously we will not be revealing any details of address or anything to give them the chance to uh, bed into our community but I know that we'll greet them in the same way that we greeted the first family and, and, and welcome them warmly into, into our community. Thank you for that, that's, that's, that's very, very positive. Uh, right, as I said earlier we'll take uh, item 13 next, so we go from item 6 to 13 and we'll come back to item 7. Uh, so item 13 is nominations for assets of community value. I call upon Councillor Barker. Thank you Chairman. Um, considering the amount of uh, noise around this item it's very strange it's not a key decision because it seems very key to lots of people out there in the community. However, we've done this a number of times now, and I will just remind you that an asset is of community value if, in the opinion of the local authority, either an actual current use of the building or other land that is not an ancillary use furthers the social well-being or social interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that there can continue to be non-ancillary use of the building or other land, which will further, whether or not in the same way, the social well-being or social interests of the local community, or that there is a time in the recent past where an actual, build, actual use of the building or other land that was not an ancillary use furthered the social well-being or interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that there is a time in the next five years when there could be non-ancillary use of a building or other land that would further, whether or not in the same way as before, the social well-being or social interests of the local community. So that's the rules we have to stick to. And it's not easy, and it's not always cut and dry. So I think that's, that's what's most important. But we do have people in the room today. So first of all, I would like to um, tell you what I would be recommending to my colleagues about your particular applications. Regarding the parklands and the properties of the woods, uh, there is a recommendation that we do not list those properties. And I would be recommending cabinet colleagues, who I think are on the whole agreed with me, that we will not be listing those assets of community, whatever. Regarding Chalky Meadow, or so-called Chalky Meadow, um, we have had before now other items of this nature that have come to this committee, and we have previously set up a subcommittee to look into those items in more detail. And there are two items on the agenda, Chalky Meadow and the Hot Poles Pub at Great Hallingbury, um, that I will be asking the subcommittee to assist myself, 
Councillor Rolfe and Councillor Ranger to look at in more detail, to look at your petition, to look at the pictures. I do know the Hot Poles pub in Great Hullingbury. I don't know Chalky Meadow. I want to go and look at it in daytime. I want to understand the layout, the houses around it and everything else. So I will be recommending to my colleague that those two are deferred and sent to a subcommittee. That subcommittee will have to meet before the 20th of December. That is the deadline for determining these applications. Um, that's all we can say at this point in time. Um, it is a complicated one. The, the, the community evidently feels very passionate about it. I know people who live in Thaxton, I know they're passionate about their community. So, um, you know, good for you for coming here and talking. Good for getting the petition together. We will look at it in great detail and see where we can go on that. Okay. Now, colleagues, this paper has had a lot of people making comments on it. So if I could take you briefly through what I'm now recommending this evening. Um, there are some very straightforward nominations that we are intending to list. Some of these are renominations. And if you look at your pack, this is A, Broxton Village Hall, Great Canfield Cricket Club, Great Canfield Village Hall, and we leave out D, Newton Green, Great Dunmo, the Rowena Davies Centre, Great Dunmo, Great Dunmo Maltings, Dunmo Community Hub, Dunmo Library, the King's Head in Hadstock, the Village Recreation Ground in Hadstock, they're busy in Hadstock, the Village Green in Hadstock, the Village Hall in Hadstock, and in Hempstead, the Bluebell Inn and the Village Green, the Bull Public House in Langley, the George Public House in Little Hallingbury, Little Hallingbury Village Hall, Rickling Green Primary School, Rickling Rambers Cricket Pavilion, the Cricketers Arms Rickling Green, Rickling Village Green, and Quendon and Rickling Village Hall, and the village, hall, sorry, the village fountain in Quendon. So those members I am recommending that we list as assets of community value. Could I take those on block? First of all, do we have a seconder for that? Got John. Councillor Howell. John's got a query. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Um, I, should, I should declare an interest in that I'm, uh, I'm chairman of one of the... Uh, uh, one of the sides, which is Z, the Rick and Ram Cricket Club. Um, I make some points which are slightly pedantic, but maybe we should get, get them right, in that uh, Y is actually Rickling Primary School. It's not Rickling Green Primary School. Uh, you didn't mention X, so I presume that's been withdrawn. We're coming back to X. Okay, which is if you come back to that, then it's actually All Saints Church Rickling and not Rickling Green. Ooh. And Are we sure they're not one of each? And then Z, um, as I said, I'm, I'm chairman of the charity which runs that building. And That's it's, okay. It's, it's not the Rickling Ramblers Cricket Pavilion. It is uh, a pavilion which is owned by the Rickling Green Recreational Association. We shall make sure the wording is right on yep. the forms. Thank you. Just pedantic, but we may as well get them right. Um, moving on to um, what I would term as the Sorry, did you want to vote on that first point? Yes, could I have a vote on those so as being listed? Those, those in favour? Can I just ask a question? Um, I know you've said that we're um, removing or taking to look closer at um, K. Yep. Um, can I just ask why that's being taken... Uh, because we have had some further comments from the landlord's representatives. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, I will coming on to all the ones I've left out. Okay. All right. Thank you. So, 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 so the list that uh, Councillor Barker has gone through. With the try, amendments. Try once more time. Uh, those in favour? <laughs> Carried unanimously. Thank you. Okay. And those outstanding ones, Councillor Barker? Those outstanding ones. First of all, we move to 
land north of three ways, which is D. That one uh, we're looking to reject um, on the basis there's not sufficient evidence to conclude that a primary use of the land furthers the social well-being and social interests of the community. So the recommendations there to reject, but we can take all these on block as well, Chairman. The post office in High Street, Great Dumbo, we have had a recommendation, we have had communication from the post office that say that at this moment in time it is still operational land of post office limited. Uh, we've also had communication from Great Dumbo Town Council at no point in time have they actually expressed an interest in purchasing this property. So the recommendation there is not to list it. The churches, we have had representations from the Diocese of Chonsford about St Giles's Church, Great Hallingbury, St Mary's Church, Little Hallingbury, uh, St Margaret of Antioch Parish Church, All Saints Rickling without the Green, and St Simon and St Jude's Church in Quendon. And the recommendation is that we reject these nominations on the basis that there is legal authority that religious observance is not a use that qualifies a building for listing an, as an asset of community value and that there will be no clear evidence of another use that is not ancillary that would qualify. Recommendations there that they are not listed. Moving on to Rickling Green Primary School. Here we have evidence from the Parish Council that the, school, the use of the school does in fact further the social well-being and social interests of the community, and the diocese's comments haven't really challenged this, so that we are suggesting that that is listed the two Quendon sites, Quendon Hall and Parkland and Quendon Woods, again uh, reject on the nomination that the primary use as a private wedding venue is not of use of the land which furthers the social well-being and social interests of the community. And finally, Chalky Meadow, Thaxted, the recommendation was to reject this, but I have now asked that we will defer this for further consideration by the panel. If anyone has any queries. So uh, the first question is, is are, are my colleagues prepared to take this on block or would you wish to go through them individually? Happy to do it on block. Do you wish to raise any further queries? Councillor Dean. I'd just like to raise a matter of principle which I think came up over the discussion of um, Dunmo Post Office, which I have no direct interest, but it's a question of the fact that um, a premise is in one particular um, use at the present time, um, why does that preclude it um, not being put on the list? We've, we've had... Um, We've had discussion in the past about, let's say, public houses, which may or may not be in use, but, but of the desire to bring them into community use at some stage in the future. And it isn't, isn't the whole point of listing it to, or to, to anticipate um, a premise becoming available such that it doesn't disappear into some other use before the um, community is woken up to the fact that... Um, uh, that might have happened, so I'm, I'm a bit puzzled by the process. Could I ask Mr Pugh to reply, please, Chairman? Yep. Uh, well, the, the answer is that uh, the post office falls within uh, a statutory definition of uh, operational land, and as such it is exempt from listing under the Localism Act. So if it's operational land, we simply can't list it. Can I just come back? So, but but if, a, if a pub is 
operational land. No, there's a really really technical definition of operational land, and it's to do with statutory operators, and it's it's to do with the, the, the post office being a universal postal service provider, I think the technical term is, but it's things like the electricity board and uh, the gas board, show my age here a bit, but uh, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Okay, I get it, thank you. I I, I think um, we will have another list of these in January, and you know, when we did this, when this paper was drawn up, we didn't know we were suddenly going to get 16 letters about Chalky Meadow and a petition and a WhatsApp and representations about other things, because they've come in very late in the process, but there will be another lot in January, probably some more in February, then we'll sort of be back to where we were when we started this process five years ago. But anyone can apply for anything at any point in time because, you know, the post office has publicly said it is moving into Mayor Brett's in Dumbo and we've all had letters about it. If that does happen, there is nothing to preclude a community group or the town council reapplying for listing and it might be considered differently at that point if the post office has declared the land as not operational. Okay, so we've had a proposal. Do I have a seconder to the second uh, part, to the second batch, Councillor Ranger? Uh, those in favour of um, the rejection and deferment list that, uh, as proposed by Councillor Barker, carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. I thank you to our external speakers. Thanks very much. Um, we don't know the outcome uh, on December the 21st, but it will be looked at uh, in particular detail. Uh, and thank you <coughs> as well. Thank you very much. Chairman, sorry, could I... I'm sure we will, but not right now. But, yeah, no, thanks very much indeed. Okay, and I, and I should have... I, 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 Sorry, uh, Councillor Rolfe, could I clarify who the members of the subcommittee will be and you, the terms of delegation? You certainly can, and I think they're the same as the group that looked the last time. Yep. So it would be the leader of the council, um, the um, member for envi- environmental services, um, and the member for community uh, and the cabinet member for communities and, and partnerships. Uh, thank you very much, Chairman. And could I clarify as well, is that just confined to these two items that are being deferred tonight, or would it also include any further ones that might arise at the forthcoming um, January and February list? I think we should review that uh, at the time, so it, it, it particular for these two items. Thank you but if much, we need Chairman. to, then it's a logical group to do, to, 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 to do further. So that group would have delegated power to approve or reject. Thank you, Chairman. What I should have said when we were talking about scrutiny was to wish Victoria Taylor, who's looked after um, the scrutiny committee so well with with other officers, um, who's leaving uh, the council, Um, and we wish her um, every best for the future and thank her for her significant effort to that committee. Uh, We now come on to item 7 and welcome uh, Emma Horner. Now, are you also looking after item 14, Emma, writing off debts? No. So it's just 7, 8, 9, maybe 10? Okay, so we're taking those sequentially now anyway. Good, okay. So, uh, item uh, seven, I call upon Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader, Councillors. Um, can I start off by wishing everyone happy St Andrew's Day? <laughs> um, we're halfway uh, through the year, 
and we're probably in for quite a long evening because I've got four papers in a row and we can do it the easy way or we can do it the more difficult way but if you don't mind I'll do what I normally do which is run through the contents and then invite any questions and the difficult ones I will refer to, uh, to Mrs Horner. So thank you very much for attending. Can I first of all thank the finance team, Mr Webb, Mrs Knight and colleagues and, and Mrs Horner for all their hard work in preparing the, the management accounts for us. They follow the standard format that you see at each of our meetings quarterly. Uh, we undertake a significant level of disclosure here at Attlesford in, in keeping with the transparency and openness that you'd expect. Um, I'll deal in turn with each of the major four items, which are the, how, the general fund, which is forecasting at the half-year um, point a underspend of very close to £1.5 billion. The housing revenue account is forecasting an underspend of £2.95 million. The capital programme is forecasting an underspend of £3.4 million. However, there's considerable amount of slippage within this, and the actual underspend is, is actually about £843,000. And there's a significantly expanded Treasury management report. This reflects the fact that we now have significantly enhanced Treasury management activity as a consequence of our external borrowings, both short-term and long-term, relating to our purchase of a 50% share in the Chesterford Research Park by our wholly owned subsidiary Aspire Limited. The recommendation is that the Council note and approve the outturn forecast position. So dealing one by one with those four headline issues, the General Fund, as I said, is anticipating and forecasting an underspend of £1.5 million. And this is due in a very substantial way to the increased investment income from the loan of, to Aspire, CRP. We've identified that clearly an investment strategy brings with it risks and we need to be aware of those, anticipate them, prepare for them. But nevertheless, the immediate benefits of the investment, I think, are already beginning to flow through. So that's reassuring and encouraging. Under paragraph 10 on page 16, there's a, very there's a summary of the budget by portfolio. And I draw your attention in particular, uh, the, the current budget within corporate items shows an increase of £3.3 million compared to the original budget. Now, that's quite a significant variance. And this primarily relates to project carried forward uh, from the 1617 capital programme as approved by the Cabinet in July uh, earlier this year. So it's actually not new information, it's just feeding through for the first time. The table uh, set out on 13, on page 17, gives a more detailed rundown of the variances and the reasons for the movement since the first quarter, since quarter one. Um, and then moving on in turn, um, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a useful update on the efficiencies. Uh, you'll recall that we set ourselves an efficiency target of 200,000 um, relating to our four-year funding deal, uh, and there's an update under paragraph 15 or item 15 uh, which sets out the efficiencies received to date, um, which is a welcome um, achievement. I'm grateful to officers for the focus they apply to this. It's very important for us as an organisation that we do look for efficiencies across how we do things and I think progress in this area is, is pleasing. Um, dealing then in turn uh, with um, variances which are outside the Council's control and I do this every time we do the update. I say things are going okay, steady as she goes, pleased with progress. And there's always plenty of black clouds out there. They um, need to be borne in mind. So there are a number of areas 
where we can anticipate the possibility of things perhaps not planning out as exactly as we would like. So the outturn forecast is the most informed prediction that we have at this point in time. And there's clearly an element of risk to the outturn predictions in the year in a number of areas. Business rates retention, planning policy, which I quite like that euphemism, housing benefits, subsidy income claims uh, are all areas, and, post, and in addition our council tax sharing agreement. Um, you'll, you'll recall that we, um, we've, we've, we formed part of an Essex-wide agreement to improve collection performance. We deal in turn on 18 through to 20 uh, with reserves. The predicted balance as at 31st of March 2018 of usable reserves is £6.35 million. The current budget estimates a drawdown requirement of £4.9 million um, and there's a detailed uh, summary of the reserves position uh, in Appendix B. I do need to draw attention to the Strategic Initiatives Reserve. Um, this shows a predicted balance at 31st of March 2018 of £1.9 million, where we need to draw, draw to your attention that we've already agreed um, commitments of £800,000. These comprise £500,000 for uh, Superfast Broadband and £300,000 for the Harlow College. So the actual position under the Strategic Initiative Reserve, uh, the balances available are actually in reality £1.1 million. The housing revenue account is set out under 21 to 23. Uh, that shows a surplus of £2.949 million. The summary of the budget is set out in the table on 21, and there's also a detailed summary in <coughs> Appendix C. Um, the reduction in the capital um, funding requirement um, directly relates to slippages, and those are shown in Appendix D. Um, I won't deal in any detail with any of the other items, but I will draw your attention to the expanded management treasury report set out on 27 to 30. Um, this identifies the uh, structure of the funding of Aspire CRP, the loans that we've agreed with Phoenix Life, um, and our current um, uh, um, indebtedness. And then finally, Appendix C has a summary of investment and borrowing activities from the period from the 1st of March through to the 30th of September 2017. So I think that that's probably as much detail as most people can digest, and I will refer to colleagues if there are detailed questions. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Um, and um, uh, just to remind you of the recommendations that Cabinet is recommended to note and approve the outturn forecast position. We've had a proposal. Do we have a seconder? Councillor Redfern, thank you. Uh, comments? Councillor Redfern? Thank you, Chairman. I just wanted to give a little um, flavour of the 2.9 million um, underspend in the housing revenue account, um, which Councillor Howell has referred to. It is um, slippage. Um, it's mainly on um, Reynolds Court, Walden Place and Hatherley Court, um, but I'd just like um, colleagues to um, note that these projects are, well, two of them are progressing well, and um, which is Reynolds Court, which, as, as many of you know, we've um, completed half of it and delivered 15 new um, homes there and communal areas. And phase two should be completed um, at the end of summer 2018. Um, the remodelling at Hathley Court is well underway, and um, that started in May, and um, 
obviously I'll bring further report on that as that progresses. Um, Walden Place is the other one. Um, at the moment we are just exploring uh, what to do with this and I'll be bringing a report to Cabinet on that early in the new year when we decide on a way forward. Um, and the other small item that I'd like to mention, which is, is um, that I did um, bring to Cabinet in September about buying um, eight new properties at Rabwinter. And I'd just like you to know that um, three of these properties are now um, ready, and the new tenancies start next week, and the rest will be ready um, in the new year. But just so people knew what, that, although there's slippage, it is that this slippage will be used in 2018-19. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Redfern. Councillor Lodge. Uh, thank you. Question about the, uh, the Phoenix Loan. Yeah. Question about the, uh, the Phoenix Loan. I see that it's drawn down in three separate stages through to 2021. Um, it says that no principal repayments will be paid until January 2022. So I wondered what that repayment profile would be and how that gap may be being funded. Can I perhaps refer that to Mr. Webb for more detailed, more detailed response? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, because we were drawing it down in three tranches, it seemed pointless starting to repay the principal and then effectively reborrow it. So we are just um, paying interest for the first few years, but that's all profiled through. That's actually why, and I've lost the paragraph number, the net return for the Aspire investment is about 1.488 million um, or 1.46 or something like that but um, it, it is just a case that it's interest only for the first five years and then we move into full repayment which is fully modelled and fully affordable within the repayment plan that's coming from the investment itself. Any other queries? In which case those in favour of item 7? Carried unanimously, thank you. Item 8, Treasury Management Mid-Year Review 2017-18. Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader, colleagues. Um, there's no recommendation on this report. This report is for information only and for members to note. Um, it covers the period from the 1st of April to uh, the 1st to 30th of September 2017. Um, our original, our existing uh, Treasury management strategy for 1718 was approved at a meeting uh, on the 24th of February. Um, now, we've undertaken substantial investing and borrowing activity, uh, and clearly we have a clear focus on identifying, monitoring, and controlling the risks uh, and understanding where they lie within our, our um, treasury, treasury management strategy. Um, I need to refer you to a more detailed report set out in Appendix A, which is on page 39 through to 46. That's been drawn up in conjunction with Arling Close, our Treasury Management Advisors. And the main area of focus for the report is actually on the uh, introduction of MIFID II, the Market in Financial Instruments Directive, not content, content with doing MIFID I, they decided to do MIFID II, and the consequence of this is that local authorities will lose their professional status and are recategorized as retail clients unless they opt up. Um, and so for, that, for some 
translation of what that actually means, I'll refer you to page 41 with the regulatory update. Um, local authorities are currently treated by regulated financial services firms as professional clients who can opt down if they choose to, to be treated as retail clients instead. But from the 3rd of January 2018, as a result of the second market in financial instruments directive, local authorities will be treated as retail clients who can opt up to be professional clients provided they meet certain criteria. The criteria are set out in order to, for, to opt up to professional status rather than opting down to retail status. The authority must have an investment balance of at least £10 million and the person authorised to make investment decisions on behalf of the authority must have at least one year's relevant professional experience. We qualify to opt up and the intention is that we should, having met those conditions, opt up to professional status. By opting up, we effectively stand still. We remain where we currently are. Just, it sounds as though we're doing something. We're actually doing nothing at all. But it is very important that we contain, remain and continue to be categorised as a professional investor rather than a retail investor because as a retail investor, you'd be no, no different from you or me going into your bank and the hoops you have to jump through. And you, you, you will want to be, we will want to be a professional invest, investor. Um, so other than that, um, I think actually 13 set out much better than I did the implications of not opting, opting up. So that it would simply mean that we have limited access to financial markets for both investing and borrowing and to the current level of professional treasury management advice and support that we obtain. So that I think is probably um, the, 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 being the, the, the meat of the report, but I always have to point out the one deliberate mistake that officers put in this to make sure that I read this paper. So on page 38, under 16, the table below gives full details of the borrowings, not the investments placed for the period from April to September 2017. So I did notice it this time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, there's no recommendation, so we don't need a seconder. Any comments? There are no comments, so we move on to item 9, finance update and budget consultation outcomes 1819. Mr. Chair, Mr. Chairman, may I come in here with feedback from scrutiny rather than I'm sure that uh, Councillor Howell may well mentioned the wonderful time we had at Scrutiny, but I think if I could give my report first, we'll see whether we're in agreement. Um, okay. Thank you. Uh, the, um, this was the main area that the um, committee looked at. It, um, it was particularly uh, intrigued and, and pleased at the increased and, and high um, participation, public participation, certainly compared with other councils in the vicinity. Um, now this had been brought about by the fact that uh, the, this year the consultation was sent out with Ethelsford Life and included a, a prepaid envelope. Um, there were other re methods of making comments as well online but uh, we, it's thought that that was the re main reason why the numbers had increased although um, in the opposite direction, the response to the uh, business rate had gone down and nobody could explain why that might have happened. However, um, it was Councillor Light who questioned Councillor Howell on how the residents' priorities would be fed into the 
budget process, and this is the more challenging, in my view anyway, and the committee's view, this is the more challenging area. Um, he, he, it, was, it was explained that the consultation results would be, would be listened to, um, but that there were minimal resources available and budget constraints that would limit the influence that the consultation had on, on the budget. Um, so I think there is, a, there is a question really about how we make use of it, and certainly there was some debate about what the what the responses meant, and in particular one that uh, exercised the members of the committee a bit was the fact that um, whereas some on the scoring system, whereas quite a few items came in in the 80%, um, and I won't go into the methodology, um, the one that, one that scored low, only 60%, was, um, was the running of um, car parks, uh, and there was no real understanding as to why that should be. There was one suggestion that, well, people took car parts for granted and therefore weren't interested in it, but equally well, I think we all know that if something happens at car parks, it's the thing that uh, causes most public upset. So no answer to that. Uh, there was a, f a feeling amongst the committee that uh, high, the, the, the public at large don't, understand the relative responsibilities of parish, town and district councils and so there was a high number of comments saying please fix our potholes and uh, please deal with our road problems which are, are Essex, uh, Essex concern and we, we, we did suggest that uh, that information was passed on to the county council to at least make them aware of that um, and I think think the rest of it was about uh, local council tax support which we'll come on to later. So that's all I have to say Mr Chairman. Not, not any major conclusions reached on, on the public consultation. Thank you Councillor Dean and um, I'm sure Councillor Howell will acknowledge and take account of that in his report. Again this is um, not a key decision and there are no recommendations. Thank you, Leader. Colleagues, um, thank you, Councillor Dean, for the uh, comments from scrutiny and I will um, address those, I hope, during the course of what I have to say. But can we rewind ever so slightly and then deal with the other elements of this? It's not just the bu budget consultation outcome, but it's also a finance update. Um, so I need to tell you certain things that you probably have already noticed, which is most importantly that the autumn budget will take place on the 22nd of November. Well, it has taken place, um, and we know certain amount. The fog is lifting slightly. Um, in early December, we are likely to receive a provisional update on our provisional financial settlement, and that will give us a much clearer idea of our income going forward. Um, but there remains a significant amount of uncertainty about areas of income for the Council, not least because there's a further consultation on new homes bonus, which is being undertaken, and the results are unlikely to be known until 2018-19, and that could have a very significant effect on, on a very important portion of our income. Um, <clears throat> um, so... What I need to tell you, first of all, I think turning over the page to page 48, 
is to remind you of the five areas of income that we receive as a council. Business rates income, new homes bonus, council tax, rural services delivery grant and service generated income. We have always sought to generate income through fees and charges. Uh, we've participated in a four-year settlement and there's a very detailed note under 13, sorry, 15 through to 22 on business rates income uh, and the likely changes that may take place. Similarly, there's an update on the new homes bonus on 23 to 25 and I'd ask you to take those into account when you consider um, uh, the, the, um, the budget preparation process. Um, there remains a number of areas of uncertainty. Let us deal in turn then with the budget consultation. Um, and I need to, I think we're getting, we are very good at doing consultations. The level of engagement from the community is exceptional. The numbers engaging in this process of 1,800 people I think is, is fantastic and Councillor Dean is absolutely right. Compared to the engagement <coughs> levels that are being achieved by comparable councils, I think we have much to be pleased with. But I do need to remind people that this is not a referendum. The purpose of the consultation is not to run effectively a vote and then decide we will only invest and spend money on those areas which gain the greatest level of, 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 of support from neighbours and um, from residents. Our duties as a council is to listen to hear what people say but to make our own judgments about um, aligning our priorities, allocating our resources um, and I, I do need to pick up on a point that Councillor Dean has made that we, the results of the consultation will not limit how we choose to invest um, th th there is no limit as, as a consequence of, of, of things that, that are set out in this report it's an important part of the process for us to, to understand the, in, the, the priorities of residents, but we often, I think, probably know that anyway through the art of listening, which we as councillors all do. We listen all the time to local residents, and so this is just part of the process, and I wouldn't wish you to attach too much. Um, it's an important part of the, of the process, but it is not the sole and only um, basis on which we make those investment decisions. So I do want to thank members of the public for participating. It is an important part. I think that scrutiny had a very useful and helpful debate. I think it's important that we don't lose sight of the wood from the trees, trees from the wood, wood from the trees during this process. I've read, as you have all read, the detailed responses, and Councillor Dean is right, there clearly is some level of confusion as to which areas, of, um, which areas fall under the responsibility of Essex, parish councils, the district council. Um, and I think it's beholden on us to try and educate and improve that level of understanding. But I take the point and it is well made. Um, what I do need to also refer you to is to paragraph 32, uh, which sets out how we are likely and will propose to respond to the, um, to the results of the consultation. So it's clear from the document um, and summary set out on 31, on page 51, and taking those, um, the, the intention and likelihood is that we will seek to increase in the, the provision of litter pickers and delivery of refuse and recycling bins, 
allocate funds to support uh, garden community delivery, increase resources for planning enforcement and increase resourcing for building control, particularly as it relates to growth in businesses cited at the airport. So those are messages which we've taken from the consultation and I think that will help us in setting our budget priorities for the year ahead. Um, I think it's, as always, a very, very useful exercise. It's of value to all councillors, I, and I trust that all councillors do read it, because I think of it as one of the most important gu uh, guides or gauges of, of people's sentiments and, and, and views. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Any comments? Right. Um, it's not a vote, so that will move us on to uh, item 10, which is the 2018-19 Local Council Tax Support Scheme and Consultation Responses. And this most certainly does have a recommendation. So uh, I call upon Councillor Howell. Oh, Councillor Howell has, de has deferred to me to do my scrutiny bit. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We... Um, Again, the committee looked at this for, what, what is it, the fourth time? I can't remember how many years we've been doing this. Um, and there was a feeling that residents found this consultation hard to understand. There were a number of actual comments saying, I can't make any sense of this. And some people, I think, did part, part of it and didn't, didn't complete it. Um, we, there was a feeling that, the, that it ought to be simplified in uh, future years and uh, I suggested that maybe it could be simplified and combined with the, the, the overall budget um, questionnaire or survey rather than having two separate ones so I just leave that with that, you, that with you for the cabinet and the and officers to consider for next year. The, um, the committee was uh, agreeable once again unanimously agreed that the contribution cap should remain at 12.5% so that's coming coming forward as a, a recommendation to the cabinet however there was um, disagreement over the um, the other matter relating to LCTS that's the withdrawal of the grant that uh, the district council had been making to compensate parish councils for uh, loss of um, rateable, oh, not rateable value, what's it called Adrian? The, uh, the, the underpinning, underpinning tax base, the, the tax base that, that, that LCTS um, causes. If you, I'm sure everybody's aware that um, that was reduced from 100% to 50% last year during the current year um, and the intention is that I, I believe it's the intention to reduce it to zero. There was um, a proposal that, uh, that that should not be withdrawn but uh, that was uh, lost in the vote and uh, on putting the counter proposal that the, um, that the grant should be withdrawn as indicated for the past two years um, that that was approved by a majority. The only, the only other thing I'd raise is that it was puzzlement and 
concern, well, certainly puzzlement, about a significant swing in the public's voting on this matter, in that in previous years the public has um, supported the concept of withdrawing the grants and effectively asking the town and parish councils to adjust their precepts to compensate for LCTS, in other words, raise their own tax and not rely on a grant from the district. Uh, this year, uh, the, it swung the other way, so that uh, a, a fair majority were against the district council um, scrapping the grant. Uh, we couldn't come up with an explanation. Um, I did have a discussion with officers afterwards about whether it was influenced by the general public mood about government at the moment, um, but uh, I'll take that no further tonight. Um, but anyway, there we are. That's the, that's the outcome. So the, the scrutiny committee supported the retention of 12.5% as a cap and, and the withdrawal of the remaining 50% grant to town and parish councils. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Dean. <laughs> Councillor Howell. Leader, colleagues, um, there's a requirement for us to review the local council tax support scheme that we have in operation here at Adelsford every year uh, and to consult uh, on any proposed changes. Even if we were not to make any changes or propose any changes, we'd still be required to, make a uh, to undertake a consultation. And I also recognise that this is a very complex subject um, and inevitably perhaps it's more difficult to discern what the views of our residents are from the consultation. But I'd like to thank the very substantial number of people who responded to the consultation exercise. Again, I think it indicates a high level of engagement from our communities, a, an interest in the activities of this council, and I, and I very much welcome the opportunity to read through all of the responses, the detailed commentary that came with it. This is an update on, on quite a long and involved process. Uh, Cabinet sets um, the proposals for the 2018-19 Local Council Tax Support Scheme at their meeting in July. Um, a consultation, the results in front of you, took place between the 1st and the 25th of September. Um, scrutiny, as Councillor Dean has said, reviewed this on the 21st of November. I'm bringing forward a recommendation that will now go to full council, I hope, if you support this, on the 7th of December. So this, of all the decisions we take as a council, I think the local council tax support probably has more scrutiny, more interrogation than almost any other decision that we take. And it's important because it has a very significant impact on the financial well-being of a group within our community. So the recommendation in front of you for approval to full council uh, is the proposal for the 2018-19 LCTS scheme, which is that we set the uh, local council tax support scheme in 2018-19 on the same basis as 2017-18. And therefore the contribution rate is frozen for the, I believe, fifth consecutive year, not fourth consecutive year that we continue to protect vulnerable and disabled residents and carers on a low income and that the discretionary subsidy grant for town and parish councils is withdrawn. And I'll speak to each of those elements of the recommendation in turn, if you don't mind. Um, 
it's important to familiarise ourselves with the principles of the local council tax support scheme as we have it in place here at Uttlesford and those are set out on four and five in the report. So pensioners on low income are protected from adverse changes. Disabled people, carers and blind people on a low income receive discretionary protection from adverse changes and this is the key element that we consult upon that working age people previously on full pay uh, will pay no more, sorry, will, no, will pay no more than a 12.5% contribution on their council tax bill. Um, there are under D, E and F um, additional elements that are set out in our policy. We have historically provided a discretionary subsidy grant to, to town and parish councils to neutralise the financial effect against their individual tax base. I think that's a very good way of describing what Councillor Dean was, was, was looking to, to articulate. And then you'll recall that last year we undertook um, four, set out in Roman 1 through to 4, under, on item 5, um, four additional uh, um, um, additional uh, rule changes to adapt the principles to bring them in line with housing benefit legislation. Six um, gives a very helpful summary, I think, of our contribution rates as set against those of our peer group across Essex. And you'll see the proposal for 2018-19, if held at 12.5%, uh, would represent the fifth consecutive year. And it is notable that it is very different, the scheme we have in place here in Uttlesford, to the scheme that is applied elsewhere across Essex. I believe it's something that we as a council collectively, all of us together, can be very proud of. I think it displays the fact that we recognise that the recipients of this are us amongst the most vulnerable in our community and it is something that we as a community should seek to do to the extent that we can afford to. So I'm pleased to put forward the recommendation that we hold it at 12.5%. The numbers of such uh, recipients are set out on eight, and you'll see, in fact, there's been quite a significant um, reduction uh, between 2013-14 and 2016-17 from about 1,200 to less than 800, so a reduction of about 36%. To give you some context of what an increase in, in um, local council tax support contribution rates from 12.5% would mean, I refer you to 10, which says that each increase of 2.5% in the contribution rate would effectively generate an additional council tax income of £27,000, of which we would receive just over £4,000. But conversely, such an increase would actually represent an additional 66p per week for the recipient, a total of £34 for the year. Um, I also need to draw your attention to the current collection rates, which are extremely high at 95%. Um, and under 14, there's a very helpful summary, I think, setting out what would be the cost implications for recipients were we to increase contribution rates. That is not the recommendation. I need to deal in turn with the funding for town and parish councils. Councillor Dean is absolutely right. The consultation last year supported the principle that we should withdraw the, um, the, uh, the subsidy that we provide to parish and town councils. We proposed a 50% reduction last year and we proposed reducing it from 50% to 0% this year. 
The consultation indicated, in fact, that members of the public were unhappy with that recommendation, which is quite at variance with what they said last year. What I do need to do, however, is to point out that when the scheme was introduced in 2013-14, the government provided trans trans uh, transitional, tr yeah, probably transitional, transitional funding to assist in the implementation of local council tax support. And it was the intention that we would suffer no ill effects from it in the first couple of years. And they, those additional grants, it was expected that we would pass on the benefits of that also to town and parish councils, so they should not suffer any adverse impact from that. That formed part of the revenue support grant. Uh, it was one element of a very substantial grant. Um, Revenue support grant, you'll know, has been reducing year on year. In 2018-19, we receive no contribution from revenue support grant. So I, I recognise that Thaxted... I'm, I'm labouring this point because I know that the representative from Parish Town, Thaxted Town Council is here. Um, they have made a representation setting out their objections to this and they have pointed out the copy of some correspondence um, that the uh, Minister for Local Government issued in 2015 uh, setting out the expectation that grants would be made to town and parish councils. And I need to make the point very clearly um, that we have made those grants available to town and parish councils for the time that we received that grant. That transitional arrangement ended a number of years ago. We have continued to honour it, but last year we reduced it to 50%, and I am proposing that we reduce it to zero this percent. I know that Thaxted Town Council have registered their fierce objection to the proposed 50%. Um, I note that the amount is actually about £3,800 in the case of Thaxted. I do need to point out that last year Thaxted wrote in very similar terms, and I wrote to Mrs Ludford last year in October 2016, setting out the fact that in fact we are not withholding money that should have been transferred to a Thaxted Parish Council, uh, Town Council, I beg pardon. Um, and I'm sorry that Thaxted Town Council have written again with their fierce objections to what I think is actually just a um, uh, uh, sorting out, frankly, what is now an anomaly. But anyway, the implications are clear for parish and town councils. I've certainly ensured that my parish, parish councils are aware of this and have been able to plan for it. Um, I think I probably need to refer specifically to the consultation uh, results. It is clear that residents broadly support, uh, by, by a fairly significant majority, the retention, maintaining the contribution rate at 12.5%. Um, little short of a third do not support that. And, and I think we need to bear in mind that there is a, there is, while there is support for this, it is not... Uh, unanimous by any means and we also need to be very much aware that this scheme operates as a cliff edge and so there may well be people in the community who quite rightly benefit from a 12.5% contribution rate who have as neighbours people whose circumstances are very similar and may only vary quite marginally who are required to make a 100% contribution rate. Um, and, and I think it's important for us to understand that that cliff edge operates when it comes to local council tax support. 
Um, I recognise there has been a significant swing in the responses for the withdrawal of the grant to town and parish councils. I do not consider the consultation to be a referendum, but I do understand that we have an obligation to listen and weigh up and make our decisions well aware of the views of local residents. And so I'm not dismissing their views, but I am not persuaded that the, that the uh, consultation on its own should change our proposed recommendation to full council. Um, and I think that's probably covered most of it. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Do I have a seconder for the motion? Councillor Barker, thank you very much. Any comments? Chairman, yeah, I do have a comment actually. Um, do we have, I'm looking at the tables about the number of people who are claiming um, benefit subsidy. Um, the number of pensioners seems to have reduced over the years, which does seem slightly strange. Do we have any rationale behind that? Actually, that's an interesting um, observation. I can understand why working age would have yeah. uh, reduced. I also think I can probably understand why vulnerable and disabled um, have increased. Yep. I, I only wonder whether perhaps it's because of um, the changes in pension, contra pension rates as a result of RPI and the like. Mr Webb? There may also be something around the change in the age of retirement. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah. the most likely. Yeah. Mm, okay. Councillor Dean? As age has been mentioned, uh, one, one matter that came up at the scrutiny committee was the, um, the spread of um, age respond, the ages of respondees to the consultation. Um, if you look on, well, it's on page 63 of the scrutiny committee papers. I'm not sure what it is on, on yours, but there's, um, there's a chart which shows that 41% um, of the respondees were aged under 54 and 56% were aged 55 plus. I think that's skewed and, and, and in particular only less than 10% were under 24. Um, so I think there's a, there's a message there about whether we need to, uh, I don't know, use things like Twitter or whatever mm. but, or, or, or the, the, the um, youth council to get through to younger people to take an interest. Or in, they don't pay council matter. tax, of course. It's probably the most uh, pertinent reason. Sorry? I said they don't pay council tax. It's probably the most pertinent reason. But this is Horner. If we have a youth council, the next time. Yeah. It's an interesting point about social media, actually, and yeah. I think generally we should be using that to reach out to as wide a possible audience. But there may be an answer to the point. But uh, Mr. Webb, I, I think I think if I can, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head on this because the way we got this out was to send it out as a special or part of the life, which means it goes to the household. Mm. So we, we weren't looking at each individual. This went to the household. Mm. Okay. But, okay. But point, point well made, taken. No other comments? In which case, there is a recommendation. I won't reread it, but it's in three parts. Uh, we have a seconder. Uh, um, those in favour? Unanimous, thank you. Item 11, so thank you very much Mrs Horner. I think you're very welcome to stay, but uh, I think that covers all the um, <coughs> um, financial matters. So thanks for staying for that. Um, 
Item 11 is the revision to museum fees and charges recommendation from Museum Management Working Group. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, this uh, matter comes before Cabinet this evening uh, from the Museum Management Working Group um, because after a break of, of two years, um, the museum now has the ability to relaunch its um, services to the schools. Uh, there's a new learning and outreach officer in post and there is an opportunity or a need indeed to um, review the charges for the services that the um, museum will be charging for schools. Uh, school school uh, teaching space at the museum is limited and the proposal is to um, go more taught lessons in the schools um, on museum matters and uh, obviously our charges would involve um, incorporating the travel costs that we would incur which is a direct saving to the school for the travel costs that they don't incur. Um, if once we're out uh, up and running uh, the full year talk sessions will generate £5,600 Currently, the income target is £2,000. There is also an opportunity and a desire by the management working group to be able to undertake some marketing initiatives in order to drive up the first-time uh, visitors to the museum mm. with the um, intent of repeat visits. So within the recommendations, you'll see that there is a, a revised set of fees in paragraph 12 and we're also revising the loan box charge, which is where um, our specimens and various bits and pieces go out on loan. So there's a packaging um, procedure to go through, and that's obviously costs that we're, we're um, having to um, take account of. And then we're also asking for delegated authority to be given to our Section 151 officer in uh, consultation with the curator of the museum to... Uh, undertake the um, review of charges and re that, that will come, up, come back in quarterly reports um, to the working group. Um, so the recommendation is that we approve uh, the recommendation from museum working group to <coughs> revise the fee schedule, revise the loan box charge and give the delegated authority as I described to the section 151 officer. Thank you very much. Councillor Ranger, do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern, anybody wish to comment on this item? Councillor Redfern? Um, I just wanted to, um, I'm really pleased to see that they'll be um, bringing this back. That was all of my children visited the museum with their schools and had um, quite a while ago now, I have to be honest. Um, but I, I, the other comment that Councillor Ranger mentioned about trying to increase the numbers of visitors. Um, can I just make a suggestion that they maybe liaise with the um, Saffron Warden town team who have got a group set up with um, that meet with Audley End House, the railway, Saffron Hall um, and the tourist information and I think it could well be worth just mentioning or just getting a little bit involved with that because um, the whole point of that is to try and drive people to Saffron Warden, well, sort of between Saffron Warden and Audley End because you go to one and not necessarily the other and the museum may not be on the radar. 
Yeah, I'd certainly endorse that. I think some, um, some kind of grouping together around artistic attraction in Saffron Walden, well, and indeed in Uttlesford, would be very sensible. Um, Councillor Howell. A very brief comment. I attended the Performance and Audit Committee when it last met, and I was very pleased to note the increase in numbers in the last quarter. And I certainly support the recommendations, and I hope that performance in the last quarter is an indication of, a, of increased usage and support for the museum going forward. Good. No other comments. Um, we have the recommendation as read out. We have a second. Are those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much. Item 12, Brownfield Land Register. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, Chairman, this item reminds us that the Council is required to put together and publish a register of all Brownfield land in the district by the 31st of December this year. The purpose of this register is to provide an up-to-date and consistent information on sites that local authorities consider to be appropriate for residential development, having regard to the criteria set out in the regulations. Local planning authorities will be able to trigger a grant of permission in principle for residential development for sites in their registers where they follow the required procedures. The Cabinet is responsible for compiling part one of the register and the paper sets out in detail the type and size of land that must be included in the register. Uh, following the production of part one, the responsibility for producing part two of the register cannot be a Cabinet function and Council will need to responsibly decide where the responsibility sits. A grant has been received to finance this initial work and further money will be received in the next two financial years. Chairman, I have seen um, a sort of the sort of pieces of land that will be included on this. Sarah Nicholas has kindly sort of showed me her, her embryonic thing, but time is quite tight now. So we have a recommendation today which I'd like to slightly vary uh, and that recommendation which would be to delegate to the Assistant, planning, assistant Director Planning the compilation of the initial version of part one of the Council's Brownfield Land Register for publication in consultation with the Cabinet Member for the Environment. It's a sort of precursor to a precursor to planning, Chairman. So we find these little bits of land that are, are there and we, start to, we are required to start to help them on their way to look to see if they could become developable in due course. It's a bit of a whatever, it's another responsibility that's put on us. We don't have any choice. We have to compile this register. We may get objections to pieces being included. We may get objections that things won't be included. But it will be an ongoing process, Chairman. Okay, thank you. Rebecca, did you get those revised words? You're okay with that? Yes, thank you. So in consultation with the Cabinet Member for the Environment, was to be added. Okay, do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Ranger, thank you very much. Um, any comments? Councillor Redfern? Um, sorry, I may have misunderstood this, but are we saying that this brownfield register just um, registers land that may be suitable for residential development, or do we, does it have, does it include land that could, was or could be commercial land as well? My understanding is that it says residential is quarter of a hectare or five houses could be smaller in specific circumstances. But it is, I, th I think, they're probably, I think the legislation probably isn't aimed particularly at Uttlesford. I think it's aimed at acknowledging that there are vast tracts of brownfield land in places and uh, setting the principle that these potentially could become developable in due course. Councillor Ranger. Yes, Chairman, just to take up Councillor Redfern's point, just to explain that, 
brownfield land has already been used for commercial purposes, so by definition it could have another use. Okay. No other comments? Uh, we do have a recommendation. I have a seconder. So those in favour? Thank you. Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. We've done item 8, 13. We move on to item 14, writing off debts, delegation to Director of Finance and Corporate Services. Councillor Howell. Leader, colleagues, um, I hope you'll view this as a housekeeping matter. It's certainly what's proposed. The, the Director of Finance and Corporate Services, the Section 151 officer, has delegated authority to write off debts up to a value of £5,000. This limit hasn't been reviewed for some time, and the proposal in front of you is to increase that limit to £10,000. Before we go any further, I do need to turn you, ask you to turn over the page to 6.1, and remind you that the concept of writing off debt does not mean that it is cancelled. It's, it's an accounting term in inverted commas. Um, so it, it recognises that the likelihood of recovering a debt is slim. But should that there be any change in the circumstances, we will, as an authority, to pursue debtors, even if um, the debt has been written off. Um, we as an organisation, in my judgment actually, are, are very, very um, committed to ensuring that we have very, very few bad debts and certainly compared to businesses that I've worked in elsewhere, we have a very proactive and um, appropriate um, response to, to what is after all public money. So the intention here is that we, the recommendation is that we um, amend the paragraph 11.4 of the financial procedure rules to increase the write-off limit from £5,000 to £10,000. The recommendation sets out the proposed wording. It doesn't have any direct financial implications because currently the system is that a recommendation comes to us at Cabinet uh, for anything over £5,000. We don't have that many reports that come through to us and I've never heard of an occasion where we've questioned the Section 151 officer and his recommendation. But this is about streamlining the decision-making process. Um, 6.3 sets out how we compare with other councils, and I need also to draw your attention to 6.5, um, which identifies the fact that if the level of, level of delegated authority incre is increased, Officers propose that an annual report is submitted to Cabinet along with the budget outturn, setting out the extent and nature of debts written off during the previous financial year. So we will maintain the current level of transparency and accountancy, uh, accountability. Rather. So my recommendation is that we do uh, agree to increase the uh, limit write-off from £5,000 to £10,000. I do believe that this is a housekeeping issue. I don't believe it has any financial implications, and it's something that I feel comfortable recommending to Cabinet. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Barker. Anybody wish to comment on this? There is a recommendation uh, which has been uh, um, broadly read out to you. I, I will just... Uh, read out for those listening in. Bad debts of up to £10,000 shall be written off by the Chief Financial Officer having ascertained that all reasonable steps have been taken to recover the debt and that it would be uneconomical to pursue the debt further. Cabinet approval is required to write off bad debts in excess of £10,000. As previously stated, that figure was used to be £5,000. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 15. Uh, I'll read this out in full as well. Draft statutory instrument 
the town and country planning brackets fees for applications deemed applications requests and sites visits brackets England amendment regulations 2017 councillor Barker thank you chairman to put it in short planning fees um, the government white paper fixing our broken housing market includes a proposal to allow each local authority to increase the nationally set planning fees by 20% subject to a statutory instrument. The draft statutory instrument has now been published and includes the proposed fees. The additional fee income is for councils to invest in their planning department in order to help deliver housing. All councils have committed to using the additional funding for this purpose. Um, the current financial year, to put this in context, will show an income of some £850,000 in planning fees, which is felt you know, is, is used solely on planning. So an increase would result in an additional 170,000 or so in a full year. Uh, to give an idea of the impact, the fee for an extension to dwelling um, would raise, the proposals would raise the current fee from 172 pounds to 206 for, for a new dwelling from 339 to 406. Bringing this paper here today will enable the council to enact this increase as soon as the date is set. Planning fees are set nationally, the increase will apply to all fees. The concessions that exist in respect of parish councils and community groups remain, as does the ability of the district council to set an appropriate level of fees for pre-planning application advice. Chairman, the recommendation is that the Cabinet approves a 20% increase in planning application fees as set out in the draft statutory instruments 2017 with effect from the date to be set out in the regulations and commits to investing the additional income in the planning service. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger, anybody wish to comment on this? Thank you very much. You've had it read out. Uh, we have it seconded. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Item 16, um, Corporate Plan deliver Delivery Plan 1718, the Quarter 2 Progress Report. Uh, you remember I brought this Quarter 1 to Cabinet. Um, and I'm pleased to say that we continue to make good progress. Um, if you would like me to, I can go through all 27 of the detailed objectives, uh, or alternatively, I could um, just take a summary, which I think is well described in paragraph 10, uh, that for particular highlights uh, the formation of, or the adoption of the Youth Council, the health and wellbeing strategy, um, the research uh, work that's going on in the social isolation project, and indeed the, that was the theme of the um, LSP assembly, very well attended and a very good morning, um, and the uh, new college which was formally opened by the Minister uh, on Monday. So uh, there is uh, varying degrees of progress on each of the 27 uh, items which are subdivided as you know under the um, four key headings of promote, promoting thriving, safe and healthy communities, protecting and enhancing heritage and character, supporting sustainable business growth and maintaining a financially sound and effective council. So we're just noting uh, progress against the corporate plan, so we don't need to take it for a vote. Any questions? Councillor Dean. I noticed, Chairman, in your um, summary you didn't refer to anything under the priority to protect and enhance heritage and character and having looked at it the, the full part that part of the plan I, I feel that it's a bit weak um, I, things that came to mind are that um, I always find that um, Stansted's main streets are always dirty some areas never get sorted out um, there is 
redundant street furniture, dirty bus shelters, um, even the frontages of some residential properties, and I know that's their responsibility, but we could have some kind of publicity that encourages people to think about their front doors, particularly if they don't, they only use their back doors. Um, and what occurred to me just now is that we're, we're aiming to create, bring about exemplar garden villages. And, and what I wouldn't like to see in 10 years' time is places, um, new places that look like Bourneville, uh, and yet our existing communities look like somewhere else out of the 1960s. So that's just a prompt, really, that I think some attention needs to be given to this area and, and public campaigns as well so that people know what they could do themselves as well as what the council can do for them. No, point well made. And um, as you know, well, as you know from the um, consultation, it's something important that's, that's important to residents. That that's why we're doubling the number of, uh, or maybe doubling the number of um, uh, litter pickers. Um, and obviously, the, the rangers do an awful lot of cleaning as well. But I think, and we've had campaigns to be fair, um, uh, but it's a never-ending process. So we'll take that one away and do what we can. Um, I don't, we don't want to paint too bad a picture. Uttlesford is still a, you know, uh, <coughs> a good-looking place, but nevertheless, uh, it's, it's all about continuous improvement, so I absolutely take the point. So thank you for that. Any other points? Councillor Ranger. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I would echo uh, Councillor Dean's comments. Um, I am in constant um, dialogue with Essex County Council Highways in an effort to reduce the... Uh, growth that comes out of road islands and footpaths um, and uh, there is um, particularly uh, issue on obscured um, road safety uh, speed limit signs and direction signs uh, for people driving around the district. Uh, so yes, it is something that is ongoing and uh, we're making representations all the time. Thank you. Thank you. There are no other matters and there's uh, no vote to be taken there. We'll move on to item 17, which is Garden Communities Delivery. Councillor Ranger. And uh, we will, I think what we'll do, Councillor Dean, uh, is to take um, Councillor Ranger's introduction and then give you that opportunity to come back. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you, Chairman. You may want to just do your mic. Thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, the... The paper tonight is um, hopefully enabling us to uh, agree the way forward for ensuring that uh, we get the delivery of the garden communities that are our vision. Um, our Regulation 18 consultation um, drew in a few, more than a few comments um, and the object of forming this company to head up um, whatever direction we travel um, as we go into our negotiations with the developers and the proposers of the new settlements. Um, so the, the company will be there ready to take forward the direction that the specialists that we are going to engage to negotiate with the uh, 
companies that are promoting these settlements to make sure that the principles um, are adhered to by the developers. Um, they will need to sign up to um, producing the documents that we require as set out in our policies, particularly SP5 of the uh, draft local plan and the ability to show those developers that we are determined to achieve those results, that the communities that they will be providing us meet our aspirations and our vision, um, the company will give us that strength uh, to put that forward. So the recommendation is we note the action to date and the approach to be undertaken. We authorise the establishment of Uttlesford Garden Communities Limited and appoint Adrian Webb as the interim director. And we allocate a sum of £50,000 from the forecasted budget underspend to fund the first stage of the delivery process. Thank you. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell, uh, comments? Well, let's go to Councillor Dean and then Councillor Lodge. And, and we remembered everything you said before. So we're, we're up to sports strategy and you had a conversation with three people. So take it from there. First of all, uh, this, um, you know, I think this document is setting out the right way forward. We've got to go about this in a robust way and we've got to do that in order to... This is, the, this is about the process and uh, it clearly is all about delivering a strong vision for garden communities um, and in a way we were talking about that a few minutes ago with um, the, the value and of our heritage and our existing communities. So I think you know, this is about the, the, the delivery mechanism and part of, part of that is quite clearly about engaging with the community, the existing community that's here now as well as the people who come to live in the developments, the, the communities that, uh, that are created. I, I just go back to something just to support that or to endorse that. When we met with um, Planning Inspector a few weeks ago, one of the things that he said was that the first thing that the, the council needs to do is to have strong, <coughs> excuse me, strong community involvement and we all know how that is, is difficult, particularly when you're dealing with existing communities who would prefer things not to change. Uh, and, and I think we've got to work hard at turning people's thoughts around to how they can think positively about the future so that we don't, for instance, end up with um, the situation that they've got at Camborne in Cambridgeshire where um, in certain directions out of that community you, you, can't, you can't walk, you can't get out because the surrounding villagers said we don't want anything to do with this thing so there aren't footpaths now they're moaning because they can't get into Camborne <laughs> on routes that they prevented being created at the time so and 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 so that that's something that um, I think you know I think is very important and I know we're thinking of putting real resources into supporting supporting that activity so that brings me back to if you will, um, our record and, and just to relay some thoughts from the community that came out of um, discussions about the sports um, strategy in that 
there's, there's, there are certainly people in the sports community out there, and I did say earlier that I met three people last week, and I don't, uh, I'm only relaying what they told me, and it's not the full picture. I don't, I wouldn't uh, claim that on anybody's behalf. But nevertheless, um, you know, they had an experience in the last year or so where they wanted to get engaged with a sports strategy and they felt that they were rebuffed. Um, now the council is, has recognised that it needs a sports strategy to underpin a lot of the um, community gain that we hope, intend to get out of, out of these, these developments. So, so there is a... There is, um, a keenness to, to get involved, I, I detect. Um, but they were, they, they were, just as an example, and, I, and I'm not trying to put the clock back, but that they were, for instance, they were told that they could get involved in talking about the, with, with the council about public access to using a running track at Carver Barracks if it came about, came about but that never happened. So they feel resentful that, they, that, that that promised engagement didn't happen. Now, other, I don't want to go into that, and there are probably other sides to that story, but nevertheless, that, that's the case. So what, what, what came out of my discussions last week really are two main points, and one was that there, there needs to be a, a proper and respectful engagement between the public's sporting organisations, and obviously this, these principles occur, apply, should I say, in many other areas, but nevertheless, in this case, we're talking about sporting. Proper engagement with the public sporting organisations and the council in drawing up a sports strategy over the next 12 months or whatever, however, however long it takes. Um, and they did say that, um, specifically and more immediately, that the council should um, draw up a business case for its £500,000 investment at Carver Barracks and more importantly that the council should consult openly and effectively with the local sporting clubs and other potential user organisations on the terms of the public's use of the running track and other facilities to ensure that access arrangements are adequate and appropriate. So I think, you know, that's, that's a specific uh, I don't want to go any f further into that at the moment, but I think that you know, there's a principle that comes out of it, that if we're going to, as a council, get people behind us, we've got to listen to them, we've got to properly engage with them, and in m many cases do what they, do what they suggest. Um, I think I really rest my case at, at the present time on that um, and would ask that... Um, I, I may come back, Chairman, and ask that there is a, a report to scrutiny, say in March, on the progress with the support strategy and whether these, um, requi these requests have been taken on board and that there is an effective dialogue taking place. Thank so, you. Uh, as you know, uh, sport was a key part of the health and well-being strategy that went through Cabinet a few months ago. Uh, the structure that we are working closely with is Active Essex is the Pan-Essex body that's, that's looking after uh, sport. So we have Active Uttlesford that sits under that, and we have a very close relationship with the Active Essex team. They have their awards night on Tuesday, which I think Councillor Ranger is attending. Um, and underneath Active Uttlesford, there's Active Saffron Walden, Active Stansted, and Active Dunmo. Uh, so uh, so uh, th there, is a, th there is a good structure. Um, 
of course we know what um, Sport England said about our local plan and we, we will follow that through. There are quite a number of possible schemes um, uh, in terms of investment uh, and more about that in due course. Um, but uh, we, we fully take your point uh, on, on board about sport. But I think, I think there's quite a good structural arrangement in place. And I don't know the three you met, but I can imagine who they were. And most of them are engaged through the active Uttlesford model. Good. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I don't object to the, uh, to the setting up of this uh, company, though I don't really see what it does that couldn't be done within other, other parts of the council, but um, that's of no great import. And the money would be spent. The con we, we do need to spend money on consultancy and getting the right, the right solution. Um, the thought I had, though, is why did we... This feels, though, something that should have gone through the PPWG and a, and a, a decision for them to make, and yet this has sort of gone on in the background without their involvement. I'd be surprised at that. Uh, I'll, I'll ask uh, Mr Webb just to comment on that, but I, I, I think it's fair to say that PPWG has already talked about governance arrangements and that this, this, this is a structural investment of money, which is why it has to come to Cabinet. So I don't, we're not deciding tonight whether it's going to be a development corporation or a joint venture or anything like that, which is the sort of thing that PPWG would want to be involved in. This is about setting something up and, and, and using council money. So probably this is the right place, but Councillor Webb, uh, Mr Webb, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I think the, the difference is PPWG is looking at the local plan, and this is looking at the delivery side, which um, obviously will go on far beyond the plan period, beyond the plan period, I should be saying. So th that's the main reason, and as the Chairman said, there, there is a need for money to be spent, so it has to come here for that authority. Good. I think uh, there will be much more debate uh, about the delivery model and the governance model, but this, 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 this sets it up. So, any other? Councillor Redfern? So, just following on from what Councillor Lodge has just said, I understand um, Mr Webb's response, but so as um, Mr Webb progresses his um, work on this particular company and how garden communities would be delivered, where does the report go from, from there? Does it come back to Cabinet or does it go to PPWG and then Cabinet or where does it go? Please. Well, whilst, whilst there are two clear strands here, and we have to be careful that we don't confuse the two, albeit they, are, they, are, they do join together in the settlement itself, um, it's perfectly right that PPWG will be looking at how the governance mod model develops, but they won't be spending money. I think that's, that's the particular difference. But in terms of um, how the government's model develops, this is clearly going to be something that's fundamental to the whole program. So um, where money is involved, it will come to Cabinet, but of course it will end up at full council. I hope that answers your question. Councillor Ranger. Yes, Chairman, just to bit more illumination on that, this, this company will be standing ready to take the council forward in the direction that we decide through PPWG and other um, forums after the negotiations or during the negotiations as they formulate what agreements are going to be in place this company will be the vehicle that the council uses to make sure that happens. Good. Any other query? There is a recommendation. Um, 
and that's been read out. We had a seconder. Those in favour? Unanimous, thank you. Item 18, land at Station Road, Wendenzambo. Councillor Redfern, leaving the best to last. As always. Um, this is just a very small item, everybody. Um, there's a small piece of, well, green triangle, which most of you will know as you, if you go to Wendenzambo and, sorry? <laughs> That's right. I've never visited Windows Well, one moment. You'll be fully aware of where it is in one, in one moment, Councillor Barker. So as you go from um, to Audley End Station, when you come to the mini roundabout and you turn, if you're coming from Saffron Walden direction, you turn um, left. Immediately on your left there is a triangle of land. You'll see that there's a line of council houses that go around the corner on Station Road and there is a triangle of grass there. This is the piece that I'm talking about. As it happens, that is the only bit of green space in that part of the village and it has been looked after by the parish council for, they tell me, more than 25 years. I've no idea but I do believe they are the ones that look after it. We've had a bit of trouble with it because some of the um, houses that we as a council own behind have been um, using it to park on and different things like that. So we in the housing team have um, spent some money and dealt with the um, parking issues um, by making those properties have proper access to, to a now um, parking area at the front of their houses. So we've done all of that work and we're now in a position to be able to hand over this piece of um, uh, this green triangle to the parish of Wendenzambo who have been... I've only been the member for Wendon Zambo for two and a half years and I can tell you that is, I'm asked about this every single meeting I go to so I'm very excited <laughs> that you're going to give me an early Christmas present <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be able to go next week now behave and um, so basically what I'm asking is that we now, the recommendation is that the Cabinet approves the transfer of land at Station Road, Wendenzambo, to Wendenzambo's Parish Council for nil value. Um, the transfer will contain obligations to keep the land as public open space and maintain the site in good and tidy condition, which is what they've been doing anyway, and I think we'll see an improvement on it because they're as excited as I am to be taking possession of that. But just for your information, um, the market value of it is only £575, so I am asking fellow Cabinet members to support this and... <laughs> Give Wendon Zambo Parish Council an early Christmas present, please. Very good. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell, okay. Councillor Barker to speak. Chairman, um, I just wanted to ask do we have a policy about costs over pieces of land like this? Do we expect each parish to bear its own costs? Are there any costs? Because I, I quite approve of it. I've got no problems with it whatsoever, but it'll probably cost us more in legal costs than it will the land's worth. But I just wanted to know what happens with costs in these circumstances. Well, I've got absolutely no idea. I thought so it was... last, Mr Pugh. I'm going to ask Mr Well, Pugh. it's a small piece of land. We can do the work in-house. There's, uh, there'd only be a notional cost, apart from some possible fees, but they'd be borne by the purchaser anyway. So. Councillor Ranger. So a question for Mr Pugh also. Um, I always thought in these sort of instances where there's a nominal £1 paid for something, is that just hearsay or old wives' tale or what? Well, that tends to be with leases, so there's some consideration, so that it's kind of like a binding ongoing thing, but uh, we can transfer for no consideration. 
And your other target, of course, is to get a 20 mile an hour speed limit down Duck Street in Wen and Zambo. That's my other target, is it? Indeed. So, well, if you, uh, if you can um, help me with that, that would be great because um, Highways Panel and Essex County Council are making it incredibly difficult and that is I have more emails about Duck Street and Rookery Lane and the 20 mile an hour limit than I do anything else. So please feel free to assist in any way you we can. We will work on that together. Any listeners in Wind and Zambo, uh, as I said, we will approach that together. Okay, just getting back to the motion. Uh, those in favour? Carried unanimously. Uh, item 19, any items the Chairman uh, wishes to raise? He doesn't, so the meeting is closed at 9 o'clock. Well done, Cabinet. You got through 18 items and three public speakers in two hours and had a good debate as well, so thank you. <laughs>